Welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, and I'm a photographer, podcaster, and writer. And I love art and artists, and I love asking questions and having real conversations. I have a curious nature, and I'm really interested in people, who they are deep down and why they do what they do, what do they love, and how did they get where they are, and where are they headed? Austin is a great city, and I'm grateful to be in the midst of so many talented and amazing artists and those that support them. If you don't want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe where you listen and visit scottdavidgordon.com to learn more about me, other podcasts I produce, and to read my almost daily journal where I share my photography, thoughts and connections, and books that I'm listening to or reading. And reach out if you have an idea for your own podcast and don't really want to deal with the learning curve and all the equipment. Maybe I can help you make your dream come true. This episode is brought to you by one of East Austin's newest fine art galleries, Ivester Contemporary. Now an important part of the Canopy Creative Complex. Ivester is focused on connecting the Austin community with a diverse group of Texas-based artists and connecting those artists with a broader audience beyond the Lone Star State. The gallery has two rotating exhibition spaces and compelling new shows every month. Owner Kevin Ivester believes the arts offer a space and opportunity to form a deeper relationship to ourselves, our local community, and with the world. Come down to the gallery and join the conversation. You can follow the gallery on Instagram at Ivester underscore contemporary, I-V-E-S-T-E-R, and visit IvesterContemporary.com to make an appointment to see the latest exhibition in person. Now for the interview. This is part two of my interview with artist Brian Daly. If you haven't heard part one, I'd recommend going back and starting with episode 97, where we cover his epic life story before he got sober 19 months ago. Part two goes more in-depth into his life and practice as an artist. Here is Brian. So you really went from fabrication to being an artist now. Yes. Uh, almost overnight. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, once I once I was fired from the last job at the blacksmith shop. Yeah. Um, you know the way in which I was fired, the word unreliable coming from this particular individual had more. That word at that moment coming from him had more meaning than any other single word in the English language, mm. because it's not a word that he would use lightly. And uh, a part of me gave up. Yeah, you know, I sold the whole kit, um, everything. I kept a couple, like, you know, things you might need renting an apartment. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and that was huge, too. Every mm-hmm. single tool, every tool I've ever purchased, I know why I got it. I know when I got it. I know what I paid for it. Um, they're my friends. I, I have a strong connection to inanimate objects. Yeah. I always will, and you know, um, and especially the tools you use to make what you're making. Yeah, yeah, they have a weight and a personality. Like each one, you could buy the you could buy the same pair of channel locks. One was you know maybe stored in salt water air, and one was indoors. And now they're they're different. They're yeah. unique. Yeah. Um, one requires more maintenance. One is too loose. One is too tight. You know, one is just right. You know, you modify a tool. 
now it's it's the only one like it on the planet. The only one. There is no other one like this tool. It's it's just it's a fact, you know, and and tools are how how I progress. I need tools. You know, I, you know, I mentioned I taught myself to paint. I'm not a painter. I don't call myself a painter. I even have trouble with the word artist. Um fabricator was an easy one. Yeah. Um cuz it's factual. Like I fabricated a thing. I did. You know. Um there's plenty of people who paint things. They're not artists. You know, they don't consider themselves artists. They're just, you know, making marks, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. The idea that the title of artist is just a weird one for me. Yeah, for a lot of people. (laughs) I I eventually put it on my business cards about 10 or 12 years ago because, like I was saying earlier, in Austin, you you can do anything you want in Austin, and you can find a crowd to do it with. And they will share materials and information and ideas and, and, and process. Now, that could be welding. That could be, you know... Mold making it could be jewelry. It could also be drinking and drugs, you know. So you will find what you need. And Austin is Coachman's Pleasure Island, is how I describe it to people who have never mm. been here from Pinocchio. It's that island. We're riding bikes. We're getting tattoos. We're smoking. We're drinking. We're shooting pool. Or you know, swimming and you know, women and everybody's beautiful and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, in that I was known. I'm a specialist. Um, people think. I do all these different things, you know, and, and I've had to come to terms with anger issues over the years, and I've got it under control, but when people when people are like, oh, what do you do? And I tell them the different things that I do, and they're like, oh, jack of all... I'm like, just shut your fucking mouth. That phrase, that jack of all trades, master of none, is a bunch of bullshit. Hmm. Um, mastering a trade, in my mind, is is all relative. If I got to the point that I wanted to get to, then I have mastered it. Yeah. I know what I need to know, and I know it like the back of my hand. To me, I don't care what you think it is. Yeah, it's your personal... It's mine. Judgment. It's a modified tool. I modified it. I Mm -hmm. built it to suit me, and it does just fine. And until I find a better way to do it, you know... Everything, everything's great. Anyway, people knew me. I would be out with somebody. And they're like, oh, you're that welder guy, blah, 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 blah. You know, and somebody else comes up. He's like, oh, that's that pool shark guy. You know, you can't beat him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. And somebody else is like, oh, no, no, he's a glazer. I'm like, I am a glazer. I'm like, wait a second. No, I thought you were a mold maker. I'm like, I am a mold maker. I'm like, no, 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 you're the cabinet guy. I'm like, I am the cabinet guy. Um, and then somebody's like, oh, I heard you draw. I was like, I do draw. I like to draw. I think the last film production I was on, you know, the special effects guys, we got pretty tight, uh, and they just knew me as a fabricator. And then one day I was drawing, and they came over, and they're like, they saw this thing, like, where'd you get this? I was like, I drew that. They're like, you draw? And we'd been working together 12 hours a day, six days a week for like eight months. Wow. And I, it occurred to me that people don't realize that I do all these different things. And, and now, especially in the times we find ourselves in, I am not technically employed. Um, so in lieu of going out and hustling and being in the public eye, because I used to be that guy, like anybody, people knew who I was. They could come up to me at Yellowjack and be like, listen, me or my friend needs a job welding or I need a job. Uh, I'm a painter or I'm a mason. Do you know anybody? I'm like, I know somebody because I, I, I maintain relationships with all these different shops. And, 
And similarly, if, if an employer was like, I need somebody, I need somebody who can grind, or, you know, I need somebody, I need a laborer, I was like, I got the guy for you. But I am, I'm not in the public eye anymore. None of us are. Uh, only through social media, really. Unless you're one of those assholes running around without a mask, still partying, you know, which we don't have to talk about. But yeah. I am not that guy. I'm the right. homebody. So in lieu of being out in the public eye and hustling, I need something that just clearly states what I'm capable of. So my business card reads artist, draftsman, fabricator in some order. And that's that's really the only time I use the term artist. Because mm-hmm. I am, I guess. I'm a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I use that term. It's kind of like a bite-sized thing that people can... They can swallow it and be like, okay, this guy's an artist because he says he is. That's pretty much all you really need yeah. to be an artist is to believe that maybe you are. I and, mean, from the outside, you know, only knowing your life from Instagram previously, I yeah. mean, it's like this guy's an artist. He's producing art all the time. All and the time. I do, people I do it a lot. People love his art. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's your main, wouldn't you say that's your kind of main thing these days is yeah. making art? Well, I mean... It depends, uh, you know, who am I saying it to? Yeah. If I'm talking to myself, my main thing is thinking. Ah. I think yeah. a, I think yeah. a lot. Um, I have this wonderful problem, um, and I hope it never goes away. It used to be a curse, and now I, I, in recovery, I see it much differently. I hear everything. I see everything. I feel everything mm. all the time, and maybe that's maybe that's why. I needed drugs and alcohol in the past. I'm sure yeah. it's a part of it. Sensory overload. Yeah, dude. It's heavy. Like, imagine every place you went, every time you grabbed the handle to a door, you knew what the hardware was, the hidden hardware that you can't see. I know how that's attached. I know where those bolts are positioned. I know what thread they are. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you walk into a coffee shop or a bar in this town with funky woodwork and metalwork. Every time you put your hand and you're feeling for the welds and you're like, Oh, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, 20,000 welders in Austin. There's maybe 200 that know how to grind. And of those 200, only about 50 of them are going to care enough to grind welds that you'll never see. Yeah. And out of those 50, maybe only 10 are going to actually have an employer that will pay them to go that extra step. Right, right. So everything I touch, everything I touch, whether it's man-made or machine-made, how did it, how, how? Yeah. How did yeah. they do that? Yeah. And you that's know? where your work comes from. It's obvious. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I get inspired. My inspiration comes from things of this earth. Yeah. And then it just runs wild. Yeah. How fragile is this recovery or this period of time over the last year and a half that you're in? I almost don't want to say it out loud. Um, in so many ways, I know I'm an exception to the rule. Um, the, you know, well, there's various rules or modes of thinking in recovery. You know, the, one of the biggest. Uh, you know, I subscribe to the Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Uh, program. Um, isolation is deadly. Mm. Which was something I was worried about. Sure. Going through, well, going through rehab, I'm like, oh my God, I got to spend time with these people. Oh. Even though I made strong connections immediately in rehab and I got to stress, I would not be alive without the support and care of hundreds of people. I don't even know their names mm. in this town. There's no way. It's the, it's the reason I stayed in Austin after rehab. I, you know, I wanted to rush and to be up in the Pacific Northwest. I have two boys. 
up there that I miss and love dearly. Um, but I needed to stay with the support until, you know, I was new and I knew at any point it could turn, um, you know, some other fundamentals of the program is, you know, when, when you first get clean, they tell you to change your people, places and things. You don't mm -hmm. go to the same places. You don't hang out with the same people. You don't do the same things. None of that ever changed for me. Hmm. None of it. You know, three days out of rehab, I was back at the bar that I spent all my time because I knew I was safe there. Even though they tell you your bartender is not your friend, your drug dealer is not your friend, they don't care about you. I knew they don't know me. My my drug dealer was my friend, and he still is. He's clean now, too. He doesn't sell drugs anymore, but we still, we text. We want to hang out, but maybe that's pushing it. Yeah. You know, my bartenders, they have been so supportive. They're the people I ate all my meals with. They're the people I drew everything at their establishment. They are the people who watched me grow. They're the people who watched me fall on the face, literally and yeah. figuratively. Yeah, yeah. They know my highs and lows, and they care about me. They still reach out, you know? And I'm still there for them. It doesn't matter that I don't drink. It doesn't matter that I'm not in there spending insane amounts of money. They don't care. They're just happy I'm alive. So, yeah, you know, what was the question? You had asked a specific question. I did. I think you answered it. You awesome. Answered it. Don't worry about it. Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if we should talk about this now or at the end, but... Um, I pulled this quote from one of your Instagram posts. You have to ask for the help you need. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, that's the whole basis of the where we are right now, the last year and a half, right? Yeah. Um, my whole life, you know, whether it was self-imposed or, or not, I don't know. You know, I've, I've always kind of felt like it was just me. I can look back now. I'm, I'm, I never had a sense of spirituality. Mm. I, I believed it was me. And that was it. And whoever ended up in my circle, you know, I probably didn't deserve them, whatever, they're here. But if they're not there, that's okay. That's the way it's it's going to be. I'm going to be alone. You know, I can be hard to spend too much time with because I'm, I'm always somewhere else. Um, there's a poem, I think it's called The Diver's Clothes on the Beach or something mm. like that. It's this beautiful, heartbreaking poem and it's and i don't remember the words and i'm not going to do it justice but i think about it often and it, it has to do with you know you're part of this unit this family this circle and the references in there are you know essentially while these people are you know walking through the woods i've become the grass or something like that like i'm somewhere else all the time mm. and i'm okay with that now i used to have a lot of guilt about it because um, I know in my heart, I'm still thinking of all the people that I know are with me spiritually or, you know, as best as we can or as close as we can be these days. But I've always tried to do everything on my own, you know, and I've always made things very, very hard on myself intentionally because I, I knew that was the fast track to experience all the ups and downs. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this the hard way, whether it's fabrication or, you know, maintaining a bank account. <laughs> I'm going to push all the limits. I'm going to push all the buttons. I'm going to test my employers. I'm going to test my coworkers. I'm, I'm going to push, push, push and get away with as much as I can. A, because sometimes it feels good to get away with shit, uh, especially when you pull it off, you know? Yeah. They're like, whoa, it's like you jumped the shark, you know? <laughs> but sometimes you land in the water and like you, you got to beat that shark to death and you may not make it out. And it's just, I've, I've wasted so much time and energy and money, like, 
again, this is figurative and literal. Um, making making things hard on myself. Yeah, there's been some benefit, but it's it's not the way to go anymore. I'm seeking peace, and I have a sense of spirituality now. Like I know I'm not alone, mm. uh, which has made lockdown and isolation. It's made all the difference. Just knowing that I am part of something bigger, whether I'm sharing on Instagram personal, very personal things, very candid at times, yeah. or whether I'm sharing a process. Um, I'm sharing, I'm contributing, I'm adding to a conversation, I'm, I'm contributing to a greater good. Um, I I used to think I had all the answers. I believed it. I, I don't believe that at all anymore. Um, I have all the questions. I got all of them. <laughs> I got all of them. Um, and I don't really need answers anymore. Hmm. I'm in, I'm in for the questions. And that's pretty much, that rules my day every day. Just endless questions. Like, how, how, you know, where the hell did that stump come from? Like, you know, what was used to cut it? Um, this table, that sign, like, who made it? Like, I'm thinking about the guy who's yeah. mixing the ink for that sign in some other country, and I'm wondering what he's having for dinner. Wow. Like, how much, how many hours does he work? Like, does he get enough time with his kids? Definitely not. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder about these things all the time, and that's enough. Um, there, my job. I'm in. I'm in the question business now, not the answer business. Mm. It's nice to be out of the public eye, to be out of the shop now. Where it's hard to get things done when you know a lot. When you when you know more, when you have a a, a wider scope of personal knowledge. And let's, let's say in fabrication, you can't walk across the shop to get something for your own task because you will constantly be stopped by everybody along the way who knows that you know maybe a little bit more about what they're doing. Yeah, right. And of course I want to share. How do you say no? You don't. But ultimately what happens is, is you never get time to work on your own stuff. Yeah. And uh, that's not where I want to be. That's not where I want to be. So Instagram has been helpful because I can share the things that I, it's not people asking me questions. They're yeah. not interrupting me. Now I just offer because I do like to share. Um, that's one of the great things about Instagram yeah. that I love. Where you know, it's the only social media that I I uh, involve I'm involved with because um, I can handle it. It's visual, mm -hmm. but it can be more. It can be spiritual. Um, the posts that I have put out about my recovery and my journey, I just felt I haven't been to a I haven't been to a meeting since lockdown started. Mm. Mm. And I miss them terribly. Yeah. And they do a Zoom thing, but I don't, I'm not, I, this thing, this phone, I don't want it anymore. Um, I want the, I want the connection. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of my recovery is about helping others. I mean, I think any success, everybody's recovery is different, but any successful form of recovery, there has to be service work. And I found a way to do that just by sharing. I usually save it for, you know, monthly milestones yeah. in, in my time. I'm, I'm approaching 19 months sober. Um, but I just want to put it out there to people that you can call me. Like, I put my phone number in the post. Like, call me. Yeah. I've had people call me from, from Europe. I've had people call me from South oh, America, wow. all over the world. Um, actually call me on the telephone. And I'm like, yeah, but... Give me 10 minutes, I'll call you right back. Like, you know, I'm in the middle of something. But yes, yes, the answer is always yes. Um, for people looking to make that spiritual connection, 
and better their lives. You can interrupt me whenever you want. I am always here. 512-468-1916. You just call me. Um, but yeah, I've reached out to a couple of people have reached out to me and over the past year, I've watched them hit their one year milestones. You know, I, I started sending my chips that I got from AA to people around the world. I'm like, you just hit two months. Give me your address. And they're like, why? I'm like, I'm sending you a chip, man. You can't get them now. Oh yeah. And for some people, that chip is everything. The first time I got sober, I tried years ago and I, I did it half assed. And I went to the meeting. I hadn't eaten in three days. I was a mess. I was fucking wasted. I, I stood up. I shared. I cried. And I went up and I got my, uh, desire chip. It's the chip you got on the first day. And it was going to be this big thing and I'm crying and then they hand it to me and I'm like, uh, I looked at the person running the meeting. I was like, aluminum? Like, I was like, really? Aluminum? I was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, y'all. And the whole walk home crying, I'm like, fucking aluminum. And I was like, I got to make it. I got to make my own chip. You know, that's. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, that, but that chip, that chip means so much to so many people. Mm. Like, um, and I was like, I don't need them. Like, you know, I got, I got a jar of them. You know, so early in the pandemic, I started seeking people out. Like, hey, I got a, I got five, three months chips, you know, because you, you could hit different meetings sometimes. You know, that's yeah, the, yeah. once you're into it and you're into the loop, it's fun to go to meetings. You know, I enjoy it. So I'd hit a couple and, yeah, you know, get as many chips as I can. Um, but yeah, sharing those. Like, I don't know if I would have found a way to do that without Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, I use it for my own However, I want to use it. It may not be the way most people use it, but it's there for me to really. There is a social end that I never thought I would be a part of through technology, mm -hmm. and it's changed my life. And I know for a fact it is it has bettered the lives of the people that have reached out to me. Mm. And I think about these people. Like one of them, you know, gave me a shout out on his one year post the other day, and and it wrecked me. I couldn't do anything for the rest of the day. I was just, I was literally crying tears of joy. Wow. It was so powerful and it never would have happened without mm. social media, which is crazy to me. Mm. So yeah, there's some benefits, you know. So was your life before just totally selfish? Do you yes. feel like? Yes. And I, now I, I you're believe, looking out Yeah. More? Um, yeah, you know, anytime I've in the past that I've tried to talk any young woman out of becoming involved <laughs> with me. Yeah. Um, there's a conversation early in, before it's even a game, early in the game, there's, hey, I'm a, I'm a selfish bastard. Like, I need lots of time. And, you know, one minute we could be talking about something, the next minute I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I'm still sitting here, but I'm gone. I'm miles away. And my week is already booked in my head of all these things I need to think about and plan and try. And I can't, I will not find peace until I, I, I try them. Now I don't need to try them all. Um, my brain is working. Um, I'm taking vitamins and supplements and changing my diet and praying and meditating yeah. to the point where I don't even realize I'm doing it. And it, I didn't realize I was meditating my whole life. Every time I draw, I am just meditating. Yeah. It took somebody else to point that out to me. I'm just letting my mind, the shit that ends up written on my drawings if it seems nonsensical it's just whatever floats by and i just put it there yeah uh, i think we were talking about asking for help yeah 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 well i asked for help and i got it i mean i got it mm -hmm. i mean i fucking got it <laughs> yeah and uh 
And you're alive. I am, I am more than alive. I'm thriving in, in a pandemic, in the worst financial crisis, in a time with so, so much bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm not deflecting it. It's, it's passing through me. And it, I don't have to hang on to it. I can be mm-hmm. aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely limit my intake. You know, I, I, yeah. I stopped news altogether. Which I'm not interested anymore. There's enough that I can do as an artist. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I don't need to be out in the world physically in the public eye. I don't, I don't need to make every little thing. I can, I can delegate. Delegation is something, yeah, right. is a concept that never occurred to me until last month. I can delegate. Mm. You know, I, I can, instead of going to all the trouble to make this one l- weird little part, I can call somebody and be like, hey, could you make me a part? Do a little trade? Like, yeah. Down for that? They're like, yeah. I'm like, cool. I just need this thing. Like, oh, you could make that in like 10 minutes. I was like, I could. I'm not going to. You're going to. Wow, that's amazing. It is amazing. It frees up, it frees up everything. Hmm. Where did that come from, do you think? Mainly. What changed? What what shifted to allow that? Well, I mean, there's real world problems like the physicality of being in a shop space next to yeah, other people, right. right? I mean, that right there is enough. I don't drive. You know, if I want to get to a shop, that's the nearest, the one I'd go to is a $25 Uber ride Yeah, yeah, down yeah. to the east side. And it's not worth it already. That's it. Decision is made. I'm right. not making that thing. Right. No, just call the guy. Whoever, yeah. the, whoever that guy, whoever that gal, whoever it is, just call them. Like, yeah. hey, can you make me this thing? Yeah, I can make it a thing. Cool. It's about surrendering control. Yeah, right. Yes. Like 100%. you said, out of control, 100%. Yeah, surrendering control, asking for help. I mean, it, it changes everything. And, you know, there's so many. If we start talking about the program, you know, of, of AA, there, it's all true. It's all true. Every little bit of wisdom, every pearl, everything they tell you, it's all true. It's just different manifestations and interpretations of it based on the individual. Yeah. So you have to find that way. And the pandemic, the lockdown has given me the time and the space to deal with that, to really dive mm-hmm. into it and live it. Not just think about it, but practice, the daily practice of all these different positive activities. Yeah, I was just going to actually ask you, like, could you just... Give us a little idea of what it means to you to be an artist and what that life looks like, what it feels like to be an artist. Wow. That's a really good question. Um, I mean, at its base, there is something happening inside of me every day. I mean, in all of us. I just happen to be one of those people who needs to express it somehow not necessarily for people or for profit or even to share if i don't if i don't process it then what am i doing with these feelings these thoughts these ideas am i just stuffing them down like no they need to be processed like anything else coming through a door into a shop it needs to be measured it needs to be weighed you need to figure out what needs to change about it how we're going to change it how long it's going to take and what tools we need to do it um so then you amass the tools, you get the order of the material. You know, that material could be a daily affirmation book, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, a sheet of silicon bronze. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all tools and material yeah. and process. Uh, so it needs to be processed, you know, and, and then 
you have to put in the time, and you have to do some trial and error, come up with a couple different ideas, test them out, which one works, execute, and then be done with it. Now you can move on. Now it's not this recurring thing that's just nagging at you. Now it's not constantly hovering over you. Now it's not the same idea that you just keep... I used to fall into this thing where I was essentially drawing the same drawing over and over and over and over again over the span mm. of decades in different colors or different sizes. You know, uh, no. Process that idea, document it, get it out the door. It's, it's process and dismissal. It's process and just like do the process, done with it, let go of it. It's gone. Put it out there. Whether it's an idea, put that idea out there. Now give it to somebody else and it's their responsibility. They can do whatever they want with it. Uh, same with the art. Yeah. If I had my way, I would buy back every single piece. I, I never wanted to part with my art. I would buy back every piece or at least, you know, that's how I felt maybe six months ago. It would be great to have it all back. To see it, to see the progression, because mm. I don't scan these things. I have no digital record of it. Yeah, you know, I don't do prints. I only sell originals. I'm looking to change that because I would like to start hanging on to some of them. If if not even not even for myself, for my kids. Yeah, you know. So is it about attachment then? At the end, there it's like non-attachment in a way. It it kind of yeah. I mean, you know, there you need to be able to let go of it. Like, how long do you want to stay static? Yeah. You know, if you're hanging on to the same idea or that same piece and hammering away at it like you're just spinning your wheels you're wasting your time like my time is better used moving on to the next thing mm -hmm. i mean that's how we grow right yeah i mean otherwise we're stunted you're just sitting there taking up space maybe we can get into the nitty-gritty of your work sure. like um maybe we could talk about like your literal you have literal toolkits of all the things that you use <laughs> that, to make your work. And, you know, for people that haven't seen your work, there's, it's about measurements and numbers and accuracy and color and dark and light. And, you know, it's so interesting. Um, well, I guess essentially, um, there's one sticking point, and I guess I would say I fooled you all. Oh. Is the okay. measurements. Um, okay. I don't measure. Oh. All right. Um, I carry a, I always have a tape measure. Always. That sound. Yeah. <laughs> that sound. You know, you walk into a place and somebody's like, I got a problem. And then you hear, you hear that sound. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sound of, we're going to process this problem right now. Um, but I rarely use it, um, for art. Uh, in fact, I didn't realize sacred geometry was a thing hmm. until maybe a couple months into marriage and, uh, my brother-in-law, Jesse, at the time we were having dinner at his house. And he, we were talking a little bit about art and he said something about sacred geometry. I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's what you do. I'm like, what do you mean? Cause yeah. I guess maybe he was aware of my process at the time. I divide space. My, my main tool is a compass. It's a Stadler Mars 551, uh, comfort grip master bow. And the thing that makes that tool, other than its, it's German quality, um, the thing that makes that tool special and versatile is it, it has a uh, it's double jointed each each leg of the compass can bend which means i can bring whether it's a micron whether it's a jelly roll pen whether it's a pencil ballpoint i can bring that point of the pen and the needle so close together like almost touching and with accuracy and confidence repeat the tiniest the mm. tiniest little circles and i love circles every drawing I have ever done starts with 
an X line, a Y line, and then a circle. And the physicality of holding that compass, that particular compass, uh, that my first one was given to me by my grandfather, the engineer fabricator. Oh, yeah, nice. And it finally gave out after, see, that compass was made the year I was born. Uh, this is the logo for Stadler Mars in 1973. Yeah. They've changed their logo a couple times. Um, and that compass finally gave out about a year and a half ago. It stripped out finally. It just, I could probably get it repaired, but whatever. And uh, I had a couple of good friends looking out for me and, and eventually found one laying in the dust at Davis Gallery when I was working yeah. for Kevin Ivester. Yeah. And uh, I almost passed out. I walked by one day and I saw this little blue sticker out of the corner of my – I have horrible vision. I saw the corner of my eye. I, saw it. I walked past and it was like eye level buried under stuff. And I saw this blue sticker with some white numbers on it. And I was like, I got dizzy because I'd wow. been looking for months. I hadn't, I couldn't use my compass. And I looked over at it and said five five one on it. I'm like, oh. and I, like I have goosebumps. You see him? Like, yeah, yeah. And I like, <laughs> I pulled the thing out. It was covered. I was like, oh my. And I, was, I, I walked into Kevin's office. I was like, I'm going to buy this from you. How much? You know? He's like, what? And I just, I was like, this isn't a question. Like, I, I'm taking this. What would, do you want? And he's like, just have it. You know, whatever. Oh, um, since then I found a reliable source for them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll probably buy a few just to have them. But that compass in particular, just the joy of it. Once mm. it's balanced and, and I spent so much time with it. Yeah. My old one used to squeak. You're not supposed to oil them. And that squeak you could hear from across a shop. It's this high pitched. And people would get annoyed because like all day, you know, I'd be at, at the bar drawing and some dude come over and he's like, man, what is that noise you've been making for the past three hours? I'm like, oh, this? He's like, can you stop doing that? I'm like, can you fuck off? Like, go mind your own business. <laughs> but that noise, it's, it's it's right up there with the tape measure noise. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's a yeah. noise that is just great feelings associated with it. Um, and once you master that compass, uh, I mean, you can do anything with circles. And that's something I'm learning now. Uh, you know, learning about sacred geometry. When the power went out and we were all fucked, you know, for whatever... I was living in this box, and I was one of the fortunate ones. I only lost power for maybe two hours out of the whole ordeal. But I wanted to conserve, you know, take one for the team, be part of the community. I don't need, you know, I switched to candles. I even laid off the phone, which was great. It was a yeah. great excuse to yeah. not be on the yeah. phone. Because what am I going to post about? It's dark. I'm not drawing. I'm not going to get on there and be bitching about anything. I'm very thankful for what I have. And of the few books I still own, you know, I've purchased books and been given books and I give them away to come and go. I opened a book on drafting. Yeah. Like, a, it's like a, uh, I guess like a course, a hardcover book. And I decided, I was like, well, let's look at it. You know, maybe there's something in there I don't know. You know, me thinking I know it all. And uh, all of a sudden I started seeing the, the for lack of a better term, I, I haven't gone to school. I haven't taken class. So I don't know. I don't know if you call it geometry or math or whatever it's called. Trigonometry or... But I started seeing these formulas and this way and step by step on how to produce these shapes that I've been producing my entire life. But I, I thought I invented them. Like I thought I cake. I made the yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm fucking genius. This is awesome. <laughs> and then it's in the book, and you know the book was published in like 1948. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> but I stuck with it and just started repeating those exercises and really learning the terminology and looking it up when I don't know and asking the questions, mm -hmm. you know, asking myself, but researching it. Like, don't just ask the question, get the answer and move on. Like, 
do it step and repeat until you get it muscle memory yeah you know the majority of my skill in drawing is just muscle memory you know the nice thing about a compass say compared to a ruler is in low light so when every time you use a compass you put a little hole in the paper right yeah and that hole corresponds with an x and a y line that i've drawn so in low light with white ink on black paper that hole appears black and it's tiny now i may not be able to see that hole in low light but if i can get close to it and just gently drag like even i can yeah. do it while looking at you i could once I get close, I just move it around until it sinks into the hole that I pricked right, through right. the paper. And I make them very pronounced, and, and I use very little pressure so they don't get wallered out. Because sometimes on a big circular drawing, that hole is being – that hole is getting plowed. Yeah, like, yeah. That hole has seen some miles, so you got to be very careful with it. But in low light, I can hit that mark every time, and I know that – that arc is going to match. So yeah. if I just want to widen a line by a micron, even with a fat pen, I can make that line and then just give it, give that center wheel on the master row compass a little, little ooch. Yeah. And then just do it again. And now that's done. That line mm -hmm. is exactly the width that I wanted. And, and if it's not, I can go back later, that same hole. I know where to go back to get that. And, you know, by using circles and dividing space to create these complex geometric arrangements and layouts and whatever, your layout is always preserved. So even if your vision is going, which mine is, you know, I have three different pairs of glasses, a pair of contacts, and then my own busted eyeballs, which I burnt to a crisp from welding and plasma cutting for years and, and you know, working in low light or direct light. Um, that compass means that even as my vision deteriorates, I can still hit those mm. marks. And so it becomes more important. You know, yeah. that compass almost, uh, oof. You know, and I've tried other brands. I've tried other styles of the same manufacturer. Nope. That one will be with me forever. Yeah. And it's important. And that thing, that's an old friend. I still have the busted one. I still talk to it. You know, I still, I talk to all these things. Yeah. Like, like hey, buddy, how you been? You know, like, <laughs> man, I miss, I know, I know, I haven't called in. Like, I have these conversations out loud and they crack me up. Mm -hmm. And that's good. Um, you know, these are my constant companions in, in the physical world. Or is my toolkit. Yeah. And it's important to have a kit you can rely on to build a kit that you can replace parts. You know, it has to be reparable. Um, you need multiple distributors like Alvin, Alvin Drafting Supply. They went out of business oh, wow. two months ago. Didn't say a word to anybody. And luckily I was not relying heavily on them. But, you know, you got to make sure you can get the things that you've become accustomed to, like your, your staples. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, definitely try new materials, try new tools. You know, I'm, I'm getting into learning about paper now because I need to work bigger and the company that makes the paper that I have been using won't even answer the phone or the email and I can't get it bigger. Oh, wow. So now I'm having to take white paper and paint it black, which is sounds pretty basic for a painter, which is why I don't call myself a painter, but most painters would be like, yeah, just do this. Yeah, you, you know that. I don't. I'm, I'm having to learn this, and I'm mm -hmm. going to learn it on my own because I want real-world experience. I don't want somebody to tell me this is the thing, and then just, I'm going to test it either way. I'm going to try things either way. You could tell me this is the best way to do it. That's where my I'm still stubborn. I still need to see it for myself. Yeah. Because how do, what, you're just a person. That's like when somebody says, trust me. That is the person you don't trust. Anytime somebody says, just trust me. Why? Because you said so? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you telling me to do exactly? Like, I can, you're just discounting my, my 
all the investigation that I conduct, you know, like, like they have no value. I just, you're the, you are the ultimate, you are the, the last stop. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, everything. No, we, you know, I still want to try stuff out, but I need to learn these things. Yeah. If I'm going to progress artistically and sure. I am going to, um, what, is, what does progression look like? I mean, where do you, where different, do you s- different, new and new could be bigger. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm painting my kit. So my drawing kit was this little folding thing, and it had, you know, for, for years it was Microns. And I've been a little frustrated with Micron. They changed their yellow without telling anybody. Mm. And that made me furious mid-drawing, six months into a drawing, when I went and got another yellow pen, and all of a sudden it was, you know, 20% darker. It's like, I wanted to wow. explode. Yeah, let's just say I, I, didn't, I didn't act on it, but there were some things yeah. um, that ran through my mind. But my kit was all microns, that, that one particular compass, a small ruler, because sometimes I just need something for scale, two triangles, a small and a medium, both 30, 60, 90s. Never carry the 45s, they're too fat. Um, you need stuff that can lay down in, in this folding kit without getting damaged. And that was my kit, you know, various colors and sizes and different colors of microns and all that. And then, you know, this time last year, my kit was, I had switched entirely to jelly rolls made by Secura, same manufacturer as Micron. Um, and they're really temperamental and chunky and chalky. And they're, most people, they're like, oh, those glitter pens? Yeah, those glitter pens. I have found a way to make those things do what they were not intended to mm. do. And to do that, you need to be completely present and see and microscopic and really, you need to listen and feel you know, even with microns on, say, moleskin coated paper, if I make a series of lines, right, even the thinnest one, the point zero zero fives, and you know, you can you can clog them up with the the oil from your skin to make them right thinner. Oh That's wow! How you get smaller without? I used to shave them down, but they were so weak you couldn't use them without breaking them. Um, so what I do is I take some nose oil and I rub it on my knuckle, and then I just dab the pen in there and test it until it gets a thinner line. Wow! And that oil stays there. You know, so you can you can do it that way. But even with the microns, I've noticed that if you make a series of lines, I do a lot of hatching. When you go back the other way, you can feel it. You can feel that micron dip. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. The indentation that you can hear it sometimes. Same with jelly rolls. Like some of them lay heavier, some of them lay fatter. Um, I've gotten to the point where since they change the barrel size based on the the nib size for each pen, you can't just swap out the nib. Because like, some of their colors are only available in an 06, and I want an 05, or I want a 10, but they don't sell it in a 10. They only sell it in a 6. Well, now you got to get a syringe, and you got to pull that ink out and put it into another oh, one. Wow. But you can do these things. Um, and there's little you know tricks to keep them clean and rolling them and dabbing them and things like that. And, I mean, I have one drawing in particular where I was super patient, and, I mean, it looks like it's screen printed. It looks like it was digitally created and then screen printed and it's done with these jelly rolls now my kit is a ruling pen um, which is those pens that you can has a little screw and you can adjust the line with a series of very small paint brushes um one oh five white jelly roll just for layout a compass you know some angles and that's it Mm-hmm. My kit is very small now because mm. I'm trying to get away from manufactured pens. Yeah. I want control over the shade. I want control over the consistency, the color. 
um, the line with and a ruling pen is great. It gives you all that, you know, you got your width, you know, and they make a compass attachment for it. So there's two compasses now, one that I use to hold the jelly roll and do the layout and then one with a ruling pen attachment that I can go in and do whatever I want in any color, in any ink. And I'm primarily, I'm actually solely using, uh, FW acrylic inks. They're just super rich, um, and buttery and wonderful. And I love them. And their black is compatible with Fabriano's black paper. Hmm. You also need to get inks that play well together. And FW plays well with Jelly Roll and Fabriano, which is what I've been yeah. working. Yeah. So being that I'm looking to move to larger work, uh, in particular for a commission that I've been, I taught myself to paint yeah. for, um, I'm going to have to do a whole new materials test. Uh, different papers painted with different black inks to make them black and then see how they play with the jelly roll and the fw i don't i don't suspect i'll have any issues honestly i think it's going to go just fine wow but i'm looking forward to it and that takes time and you got to be methodical and you need to record your results and and do it with intention you're a technician i am i'm a fabricator (laughs) you know i'll always be a fabricator i'm that like again i'm happy it's easy to say i'm a fabricator sometimes it's still difficult to say i'm an artist why do you think people respond to your work? What are they responding to, do you think? Well, I, I do have thoughts on that. Um, after I had like two or three shows uh, at Cafe Mundi, and you know, they, they went well, every piece sold, I'm like, I was, in, I was encouraged, you know? Yeah. It was affirming. There's something validating about selling art. Sure. You know? I'm not going to lie. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to make these next rounds super clean. And I, I stressed, and... I did a whole series of uh, three-point perspective, uh, exaggerated, three-dimensional shapes, architectural shapes, in vibrant, vibrant colors, and I did it without any layout lines visible, which means I had to move super slow, and all my starts and stops and angles, like no bleed out, no nothing, and mm-hmm. super thin borders, and it was very meticulous work. I'm talking, f- you know, an area the size of a quarter with, you know, 200 perfectly spaced lines Whoa. at different angles to get those hatches and fades. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the meditation. And, and I, hung, I hung those up during <laughs> South By at a coffee shop called Cenote on yeah, Cesar Chavez. Sure. Didn't sell a single piece. Huh. Like, and they were beautifully framed. I, ma- I, you know, I painted the molding myself by hand and made all the frames and museum glass and 100% cotton rag mats and lifting, you know, all this beautiful stuff and these beautiful shapes. And more than a handful of people, and they're like, well, where's all the notes? Where's all the lines? I'm like, oh, no, these are cleaner. They're better. You know, like, <laughs> I think what happens, in addition to being interesting and curious and revealing, having all the notes and all the lines, I think, honestly, I think the style I draw in with all those, all those ley lines or whatever you want to call them, it makes it accessible. It shows how it's done. It shows the process. Those mm-hmm. lines are all, none of those lines are, are superficial. None of them are put there for the viewer's pleasure. Those are all necessities. That's what goes into my work. So to, to draw, I could draw a perfectly beautiful, clean, tight, just a beautiful radiant fade, you know, crosshatch, mechanical, whatever. Big deal. I mean, what, A, what, what, what shows that it's handmade? Yeah. You know, which I told you, people have accused me in the past of yeah. literally at my own shows in front of my kid called me out and said, I'm full of shit. You did that on the computer and you printed it out and you're trying to pass it. I'm like, like, here's my book, man. I'll draw one right in front of you right now. You know, like, yeah. And it's a huge compliment. But without all those lines, 
it just it doesn't seem real. You know, it doesn't it doesn't look like it was handmade. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's one of the beauty as a fabricator when you make when there's little inconsistencies. I don't want to say mistakes or errors in a finish, but when there's inconsistency, like in a in a beautiful patina, that inconsistency dictates that this was done naturally. Yeah, um, and it's the same with my art. It, all those lines show people like a. I did it myself by hand, and B, this is how I did it, and C, you can do it too. Mm. And I, you know, the only thing greater than having somebody message me, say, in the middle of the night from some other time zone, saying that they asked for help and got sober, you know, because of something I posted. Yeah. Um, that's the top. The second best, and brings me to tears, and I've had it happen multiple times with people like, Somebody will send me a picture of, of like their kitchen table and they have all this, they have like the FW ink and a new pack of jelly rolls. Yeah. They bought the 551 compass and they got the Fabriano black paper and then there's a drawing and they're like, I started drawing because of you. And I'm like, wow. Fucking goosebumps, dude. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, that, not to sell art, not to make friends, not to meet people, that, I can't think of a better reason to share art. Holy shit. Like when a grown ass man who's never drawn orders a bunch of shit from Dick Blick in the middle of the night and makes a drawing and then has has the the courage. Yeah. I mean making art and sharing it with people is rough as it is. Yeah. And yeah. people who don't make art will never understand this. Never mind having a show. Just posting something, an image that you created can be daunting. But to share it with somebody you admire and look up to that is an enormous leap. That is one of the most courageous things somebody could do in the art world mm-hmm. as, as a new, as a novice. Yeah. To follow through, to purchase it, to try it, and then to share it. Yeah, absolutely. Holy crap. That is so cool. And that happens to me. Like, I get these messages, and it's like, this is why. This is why. This is why I will never leave Instagram fully. I don't plan on staying there, and we talked about that. Like, I need I need the next level, you know, so I'm going to learn how to do a website and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, selling on Instagram sucks. It just sucks. It's yeah. hit or miss. It's random. It, it, we're not going to – I'm not going to have that conversation because I may get angry. But, you know, I think I think that's what appeals about my artwork. A, it's beautiful. I mean, these are yeah. beautiful images. Yeah. I, I have no problem saying that. I wouldn't make them if they weren't. I mean, that right there. It's not tuning my own horn. It, they're they're gorgeous because they were engineered that way, you know, and mm-hmm. through years of of study and practice. But yeah, I, I think what what appeals to people is they can see not only how I did it and that they can do it too, but they also I share very personal things in there, and they might seem like random quotes and things like that. And some of them are you know lyrics from songs, but that'll tell you what I was listening to. Like you want to yeah. know where I was at? That's where I was at. Yeah, you know. I listen to this song, you know, music is a huge thing, you know, for me in creation and art because the headphones would drown out that, you know, mm-hmm. where the drugs and alcohol couldn't, music was always there and always will be. Um, I don't need headphones anymore because I don't draw in public. You know, I tried them this morning and I just felt, I felt trapped under yeah. them. Yeah. I don't feel that way with this, but like in drawing, um, music is a huge part. Yeah, and that'll be reflected. Like, you'll see certain things. Process and Dimis- Dismissal is a Fugazi song. One of my all-time favorite bands always will be. And they have, I would say, everything I drew for a good 15-year period was probably listening exclusively to Fugazi only. 
wow. for 15 years. I mean, I'm starting, I'm talking like 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just them over and over and sometimes the same song for months on repeat. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, in recovery, I'm, my musical tastes have broadened. Mm-hmm. Anything's on the table. And luckily, I have plenty of great people I can reach out to, other artists specifically that I'm like, it'd be middle of the night. I'm like, man, I need something new. And like, they just send me Yeah, a there's link. so much great music yeah. out there to explore. I guess I'm wondering, maybe we're at the end here, but um, we were talking about kind of what you went through when I reached out to do this interview. <laughs> like, maybe you could talk about that. Yeah, that was weird. Um, yeah, I, I feel like maybe I, I was following you. Like, I can't remember. Like I said, I don't use Instagram tradition in ways most people do. In fact, the more I respect somebody, the more likely I am to not follow them uh, so that I am not influenced by their imagery, uh, not comparing myself one to another. But I do recall Kevin Ivester mentioning like when he was going to do a thing with you and I told him I would listen to it and I never did. And, you know, we haven't, we don't see each other all the time. So I just kind of forgot about it, you know, and then you reached out to me and, and I, I think it was like one, ow, I think it was like one sentence, you know, you just proposed the idea of interviewing me about art and I was just kind of, it was late at night. And I was like, uh, I think I responded like, I guess so. I don't know what I yeah, would yeah, have right. to, to, to <laughs> yeah. offer, I think was yeah. the word. <laughs> and, uh, either I mentioned it to Kevin that you'd reached out and I think I did. I stopped by his gallery over at Canopy and he's like, oh, hey, you should check it out. You know, whatever. It led me to listen to the interview that you conducted with Kevin and not only was I immediately blown away by everything Kevin had to say? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a guy I, I worked for and worked closely with for a short time before lockdown happened and we all got laid off. And, you know, somebody I respect and, you know, I'd spent time with him at his new, new space, kind of consulting with him on different, mm. just in the initial stages, like, you know, move the thermostat, get rid of this, you know, check oh, the yeah, HVAC yeah. guys. Just little things that most people don't think of when they arrive on a new site because it's sure. overwhelming. I'm used to being in new spaces and, like, we got to change this around and what's the, what are the things that everybody overlooks? Yeah. Like, what's, that looks like a little water stain over there before anything happens. Deal with that. Like, find it, investigate. Where is that coming from? But, you know, we talked and, and Kevin's got some great ideas and he's got, he's got vision and he's got ambition. And he's young and he's smart and he's, he's, he's a very sharing individual. And even still, knowing all that, listening to the interview that you did with him, I got to experience, instead of him and I having little bite-sized conversations while talking about something else, I got to really focus. Um, I think I told mm. you I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. Words don't work for me when I'm creating. I found more and more oh, instrumental, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because words influence me. I, yeah. Right now I'm right. sitting with me and my, my imagery. Um, but yeah, I, I got to really, I, he was able to lay out a plan, a vision, and, you know, I don't know what the word is, but uh, it was clear to me, like, this guy's doing a lot and is capable of a lot and will achieve a lot. And that is in no small part to, I mean, right off the bat, the production quality of your podcast. I don't know why I thought it would be substandard or like <laughs> it would be echoey or whatever. Right. Um, you know, because I think about space. I'm like, oh, do they go to the sound booth or do they do it outside, you know? And it just sounded nice. Had some nice little musical intro and yeah. maybe made me remember like when I was married and NPR was on the radio yeah. all the day. There were certain, you know, positive memories about that feeling. Yeah, you know, and in listening to you pose questions to Kevin and I mean the two of you together, it was a collaboration. You know, it, it produced 
this idea or this this notion as a whole, all of a sudden, I realized that my entire life, uh, you know, like I said, I've never sat down with the intention of of talking about art. Yeah. It just, oh, those froofy assholes, you know, those college, whatever, all these college people and big words. Um, I never felt that I had anything to add to the conversation until I listened to that that first one mm. of yours that I listened to. And I was like, all they're really doing is talking. Yeah. It's not, nobody's touting their accomplishments or their credentials or where they went to, you know, none of that. Well, I did this and I did that. Well, I studied, you know, none of that. I mean, even if it did come up, yeah. it wasn't the focus. <laughs> the end result was these are two people talking about something that they're both obviously very passionate about and have committed their lives to. This is their livelihood. Mm-hmm. This is how they show themselves to the world. And if they can do that, I could do that. I mean, shit. And all of a sudden I realized like, yeah, I do have thoughts about how we view art, how we display art, how that's going to change with the pandemic. I still have so many ideas and uh, mm. that, you know, that was, that was when Kevin and I actually started our relationship expanded after I wasn't working with him anymore over phone conversations in, in like June, yeah. May, June and July. Yeah. And I was like, why am I not seeing any place in town with all these fabricators and interior designers and, um, landscape architects? Why am I not seeing better signage? Why am I not seeing outdoor spaces being engineered for a more natural, healthy, distant experience? Yeah. Instead, it's construction tape and cones and trash cans stacked on tables. Get rid of the, the table and fill that with plants. Like, yeah. let's move forward from this. And Kevin yeah. and I started having this discussion. Like, how how are we going to have art shows? How are we going? How are people going to occupy the same space? And still keep it intimate and being able to access the artist and access the art and get up close. At least for me, like in my art, you need to, if you're, all right, my art needs to be viewed from five feet away. That's the final image. But if you really want to know me, you got to, you have to actually, your nose might have to touch the glass. Right. Like I'll, every now and then I'll write something upside down really small and I love walking into a show and there's two people with their heads <laughs> turned all and they're trying to read it. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they're, you know, I go back to check and there's, there's a nose print on the museum glass. And yeah. I'm like, yes, they got close enough. Yeah. Um, nice. And we started having those conversations. Like these are all conversations that need to happen and you are providing an amazing resource for them to happen. Mm-hmm. in Austin. And, you know, what is it? With great freedom comes great responsibility. I have the freedom to do what I want right now, which means I have a responsibility to share it with people. Because as I've been shown time and time again, when I am honest, when I'm candid, when I'm open and unfiltered, yeah, the appreciation and the responses I get from the people who follow me, I mean, it bring you to tears. Yeah. So there needs to be more of that. So yes, yeah. The last thing I ever want to do is hear my voice. The last thing I ever want to do is have my picture taken. Yeah. Um, and here I am. Um, and I am, I am whole hog about it. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. And I really respect you and appreciate oh. the time that you've taken to come here. Yeah. It says a lot about you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I, cool. I really appreciate, I mean, my opinion for many years when I had an experience seeing someone at a little workshop that I was at, be super vulnerable about their life. I mean, it was, 
it was the opposite of weakness. It was the most powerful thing I've yeah. ever seen. A person being totally vulnerable and open about their life and their struggles. And it's like, wow, vulnerability is amazing. It's powerful. I mean, yeah. it's hard, but... It can be. You know? It can be. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, like... In order to be vulnerable, you will have it. You will have things thrown back at you. Yeah. People will twist and contort and and abuse you and and the the things that you share, and that's just part of it. But you know, as we get older, as I get older and become more peaceful, that's just the way some people are. It's none of my business. Yeah, you know, it's same with art. Some I don't need to explain I, when I post a piece for sale. I don't need to explain what it's about. Yeah, because it's. The person who's viewing it, they're gonna they're gonna have their own experience, yeah. and that's gonna speak to them more than if I tell them what it is. Like that's oh, something absolutely. I only recently understood about art. It doesn't need ah, to be explained. Yeah, you know, I'm still I'm getting better. My my the writing in my post is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah, I like to get to the point where on a website where it's just an image and a price mm. and maybe a date. I started dating them because I think people like to know. Yeah. I also think it's important in the pandemic to know that. That image yeah, was right. made like, you know, when 320,000 people were, you know, getting infected every day. And yeah. here's this peaceful image of, you know, whatever it is. Like, it's important to know wh when that was happening. The context. Yeah. yeah. And as an artist, I have a responsibility to document my life because no one else is going to see it otherwise. Yeah. Because, we're, again, we're not in the public eye anymore. We're not around each other. Not yet. So this all needs to happen. Like, mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons I've been wholeheartedly creating every day like many people i told myself when this started i am going to come out of this with new skills and new talents yeah. and a new outlook and i haven't looked back you know first through fifth you know there's different speeds i'm i'm moving forward not backwards yeah. that's what that is oh yeah there's nice. no reverse we're going forward <laughs> but it'd be nice to document this stuff and share yeah. it with other people and you know inspire them give them a little bit of hope maybe hmm. a little courage a little love out of everything that you've learned in the last year and a half, what do you think would be the most important thing that you would want to share, like maybe with your sons that you've learned that really, like if it was the last thing you were ever, ever able to tell them that you felt like, I mean, I know that's heavy, man. Maybe it's too heavy. I, I just don't know. Um, what's, what's most important? Uh, family. I mean, it seems like an easy answer, an easy out, but. You know, not discounting at all how I feel about my friends. When I say family, I mean all of us. Yeah, right. All, uh, everybody. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 been highlighted. It's been polarized. Just all this isolation. Like I said, it's been great for me. The isolation has been fantastic. And some really shitty things have happened to me during this time. And I've had to mm. face them pretty much alone. And that's okay. Um, because I've been given the tools to act like an adult. And... and mm take care of myself and be kind to myself and loving and respectful to myself um but yeah I'd, I'd say through it all just to stay in touch to reach out to share um ask for help ask for i mean geez that's huge ask for help uh some people never will never live long enough to understand that and you know i was almost one of those people um to think that you know i didn't see the value in swallowing my pride enough to ask for help because I didn't really think I had much to offer. Um, that has all changed in the past year and a half, you know, the past 19 months for me. Yeah. What a, what a loss it would have been for the world for me to not be in it anymore and to be able to say that 
Mm. To you, who I just met. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, whoever is listening, it would have been one of the greatest losses in history in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because, yeah, I have so much more to give. You know, I thought my life was over, literally over 19 months ago. And it was, you know, like maybe three weeks into rehab. I was like, oh, shit. I'm only halfway through. Like, now that I've taken these steps, this could go on for a lot longer. Oh, man. <laughs> but And it's exciting because it, there's, it, so there's, there's, there's so much. This world is so there's vast. So there's so much to learn, so much to do. So much to share. Yeah. Uh, people, moments to share people with people. needing people. Yeah. yeah it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Brian, so much for your time and for everything yeah i'm really glad you're still here that we're sitting here together yeah uh i'm thrilled thrilled about it and uh again i appreciate you yeah you too thanks scott thanks hey it's scott thank you so much for listening i'm so appreciative of your time investment in listening to these conversations that i have with these amazing people i'm very grateful for you And if you want to learn more about me and the podcast, just check out scottdavidgordon.com. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.